Kate Fennessy's trying to write a novel, and Helen Brown's going to help her. Welcome to our podcast, Novel Therapy, the first time writer's clinic. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of Novel Therapy. Wow. <laughs> I'm Kate Fennessy, aspiring author and social media marketer. And I'm Helen Brown, New York Times bestselling author, and we've got a very special guest we today. We do, we do. This is our third guest, is it? Our third guest? Maybe, yeah. Or who knows? Or it doesn't matter, but it's a very exciting guest. This is want... a guest we've wanted right from the yes, beginning. Yes, that is true. This is Phoebe Morris, a very, very talented, what do you call yourself? Illustrator. Yeah, mostly illustrator now. Cuts from Wellington, New Zealand, who has done the most magnificent job illustrating <laughs> Cleo and Rob and I'm really looking forward to talking with you some more about how you went about doing that I'm, I think process is a word yeah. I, I don't really like process it's mm. quite close to journey as a word but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how yeah. we go exactly and we've just come back this morning from Jeffrey's bookstore in Malvern is that the suburb Malvern yeah. yes um in High Street Malvern no not High Street in Glen Ferry Road Malvern um, where Phoebe has done a gorgeous illustration for their shop window for Cleo and Rob. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you did this morning, just so for people who won't get a chance to see it? Yeah, so it's um, done with um, chalk pen. Well, they're called chalk pens. There's not that much chalky about them, and it's just freehand straight onto the window, um, and you have to kind of be conscious that it's going to be seen from the other side, so you're kind of drawing backwards a little bit. Um, and for that one, I just did a bunch of cats, different cats stacked together. Keep it on the cat theme for the book. Um, and that was, yeah. And they were one for the head of Very <laughs> different personalities. Yes. And one of them was very lion-like. That yes, there was Kate a lion. was very drawn to. It was. Helen's trying to steer me away from the lions. <laughs> towards the pussy cats. cats. Yes. yes. <laughs> the lions stood out, though. But it's a very joyful, gorgeous thing. And we saw it from across the street. It looks fantastic. It's also whimsical. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. So we'll pop a photo up because we have a Facebook group that some of our listeners are in. So we'll pop a photo up in the Facebook group of the window. And you were saying you do quite a lot of public art. Yeah, um, so I've done other displays in bookshops. I've done maybe one or two other um, drawings onto the window like that, Um, but mostly murals, so painted murals. Um, And I've done that with other people from our studio, and we actually called ourselves Brush Brigade for a little bit because we don't use spray cans, we use brushes, and that's slightly... Not unusual, but, you know, less less common it's in street art. Yeah, just in terms of a process, it is probably more practical or faster to use spray cans, but you okay. get a different effect to the painting. Um, so usually I'm using a brush. So yeah. if anyone goes to Wellington in New Zealand, where would they see an example of um, street art? Uh, where are they? There's some in Newtown kind of area. Um, I've got one up at Pole Hill, which we just talked about. Maybe you could send us a photo and we could pop it in the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one in a bookshop there as well. Um, But they're sort of funny things because sometimes they'll move or they'll get painted over because some of them are on shipping containers. So the shipping containers, I don't know where they've gone now. Ah, um, Argentina. Could be, yeah. (laughs) I might just get you to wriggle up a bit closer to the mic, Phoebe, if that's all right, just in case. Um, So what we do when we start our episode is we do a checkup because this is a clinic. Oh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) It is a clinic. So um, basically we like to do a check-in. Usually we record on a Wednesday and today's Friday. Oh, look, we've got a visitor to our clinic. This is who actually likes to check us in. Don't you, Jonah? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So do you want to start, Helen? How has your week been? I know there's been a lot going on with the launch of Cleo and Rob, but what have you been up to in the last week and a bit? Well, I keep trying to remember. Um, I've been doing quite a lot of radio interviews, ABC radio interviews, and that's been interesting to see how people might be going to respond Mm. to Cleo and Rob. Uh, It's always felt like a bit of an edgy project, writing Mm. a children's book that's about loss and grief. Mm -hmm. And I've felt that kind of from some of the interviewers, that they've found it a little bit challenging. But I don't think children will. I think children are very pragmatic. Mm. So I'm waiting for my first child reviewer. Yeah. Mm. And that's... (laughs) That's Jonas Bottom. Oh, you're getting a nice, clear shot. He's really sticking it out there for everyone on YouTube. Jonah is currently just kind of on the table, getting a bit of a pat from Helen. Yeah, so that's me. I, and I've had lunch with a few friends, which I haven't done for ages, so that's been nice. Too. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and what about you, um, Phoebe? What have you been up to in the last week or so? Anything um, interesting? or Also a bit of a blur, I think trying to wrap up work before coming over here um i did a bookshop window display again for cleon rob which is at unity books in wellington and that oh. looks stunning with some yeah. big that? i saw that on social yeah. media yeah. yeah so that was fun um and it just was really rainy crap weather so just like a lot of like shaking my fist at the weather um <laughs> and then that, i've been effective no <laughs> i've been working on a uh book cover design as well um and I was actually f- trying to finish that on the plane over oh, on my iPads. <laughs> and what's that book uh, I can't talk about it yet. Oh, I can't yeah. talk about but it. it's Sorry. out in March um wow. with another release so it's been a really busy busy year it's nice mm. to be popular <laughs> yeah oh that's cool yeah well my week's been kind of average in terms of busyness um I was telling the girls before that I have started doing an e-course online about launching an e-course online. That's very meta, isn't it? Um, So I'm doing an e-course and I'm very excited because I see a lot of potential there um, in terms of my world of social media marketing and teaching others to do it. So that's been kind of exciting. I also actually taught a real life workshop about social media marketing um, this week in Mornington, which was great. Another lovely group of ladies, women. Yeah, you're a very good teacher. Kate. I enjoy it. <laughs> mm. Thank you. You're natural. Helen's mm. been to one of my workshops, which was on influencer marketing, which is a specific one. This one was quite broad. It was just on getting unstressed and unfrazzled with your social media as a business Mm. um but what i loved about it is that the women there all women are always so generous and a little bit self-doubty like Mm. a lot of them were sort of it took them a while to open up and then you realize you've got this incredibly talented group of creative business women why are we like that i'm not sure my friend had a good quote about it which meant something like i think um you know men are rewarded for showing potential women are rewarded for showing results which I think mm. is incredibly true. So as a man, if, if you seem like you're going to, you know, that you're kind of onto it and you, you could do it, they're like, yeah, off you go. Whereas if you're a woman, you're like, I'll oh, prove to me that you know what you're doing. Yeah, so I think so true. part of it comes from that. And yeah. Still got a long way to go, haven't we? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> keep funny, up the fight. Yeah, there's a funny comedian I follow called Rosie Waterland, who's a young um, writer in, in, male, in Australia. And she says, I wish I had the confidence of a mediocre white guy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's so true, isn't it? Like, anyway. Mm. Um, mm. But yes, and the only other thing, which is a bit of a guilty pleasure, is I've been watching The Bachelorette, and I'm really into it. because. Do you the- watch that, Phoebe? I don't. I'm no. a, um, my sort of, 
what is it called? Reality TV show of choices, RuPaul's Drag Race, pretty ah, religiously. And okay, it's actually made really me great. understand people who are sports fans and rugby fans and why they get so involved because my family's like that I'm like why do you need to see the commentary why do you need to see this live like why do you need to see people talking about the game after the game like it's ridiculous and I'm the same you're at that level with yeah Yeah, it's like I need to watch the YouTube recaps afterwards (laughs) and like see what people thought you know it's like I'm on the background there's like a spin-off thing where you can see behind the scenes got to watch that and like okay you're invested invested. so you're a deep fan (laughs) see I'm similar because I watch The Bachelorette (laughs) <laughs> Mainly for the purpose of listening to a really good podcast recap, which is by Rosie Waterland. Um, it, the, the show is greatly enhanced by listening mm. to the podcast. Really? Oh, God, yeah. You I, guys are insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got, if, to add to the general sort of ambience, I've got very hooked on something called the Detectorists. Ooh. And it's a BBC program. I like this. And it's about these guys who are metal detectors who go around i mean haven't you ever seen those people and you think god what searching on the beach for coins yes you know and i really don't want to meet you ever (laughs) but actually watching this show you get drawn into their world and their search for hope and and dreams and yeah and it's so there's some wonderful you'd love phoebe the visuals are so beautiful of grass growing and, and mm. a butterfly here or you know just or the rain coming across a oh, hill that sounds, mm. that sounds like a nice it's unexpected kind of, and it's a yeah. really good way thing to watch before you go to sleep because mm. well, you start you go. to yeah <laughs> but i'm not about to buy one of those you're not going to ask santa for christmas no. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine how with headphones on beep, beep, <laughs> at phillip island <laughs> Oh, that's classic. Oh, dear. Well, there you go. So that's our catch-up, I mean, our check-in. And in terms of the clinic, usually we're talking about um, my first attempt at writing a novel. That's the sort of Mm -hmm. loose idea. But we thought we'd love to learn more about your world, Phoebe, because a lot of our listeners are interested in creativity in general, whether Mm -hmm. it's writing a novel specifically or just writing or just some any Mm -hmm. creative project. We've talked about knitting and painting and anything so we'd love to hear like as a um well we're all creatives as a fellow creative i'd love to know like tell us a bit about how you got to do what you're doing now what what led you to this point where you're illustrating for helen's book Mm, um (laughs) is that a really big question yeah it's a big question (laughs) um i guess i've always been really into drawing and writing um and drawing to the extent that I was doing it at lunchtime at school, you know, or I was doing it in my books and getting told off, which sounds like a cliche, but I was, you know, doing that. And it was just an impulse that I had or like, you know, just maybe like a nervous thing. You just need to keep your hands occupied in some way. And that's kind of what I did. And I mostly drew animals for like years and years. I just drew a dog and then kind of branched out to other animals. And I actually really hated drawing people for the longest time. I just didn't find them interesting to draw. And then, um, uh, yeah, kind of at college was really into painting and stuff. Actually got better marks in English than I did in my art classes, but didn't see myself having a career in that. Like mm-hmm. I felt kind of better about doing um, illustration type work as a job because I quite liked having a box to work with, like a brief okay. rather than like the, An the fine art path where you're like, I'm going to express myself <laughs> with, you know, this deep thing I need to express to people. I don't like, I want to, an aspect of self-expression but I wanted it to be like connected to something or grounded by something or to have parameters to kind of play with 
Mm. Um, so it's, I guess, more of a problem-solving mm-hmm. um, element to it that I enjoyed. And did you go to fine art school after after? Yeah, so school? I went to... Um, wasn't quite fine art. It was more design school, actually. So mm. it was Massey University in Wellington. The course is called Visual Communication Design, and it's four years. Um, so with honours, and mm. you could do illustration papers within that, and it was technically your minor, but... Um, I basically did all the illustration papers. I did a little bit of animation and then I actually did quite a bit of typography and a tiny bit of graphic design and like some media stuff and like a whole mix. Sounds wonderful. Mm, it does, course, I think, yeah. you know, sometimes I know from living in New Zealand, sometimes you can feel, oh, this is the ultimate backwater. Nothing ever happens <laughs> here. But in your world, you've got Peter Jackson. And, yeah, totally. And the Lord of the Rings legacy and all the other movies that have since yeah. been made there, it must actually be quite a stimulating environment. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And we're just quite like um, hooked into that course now as well. Like they kind of see that as a place where they could How get exciting. potentially new staff from. And when I started there, I was like, yeah, I want to work at Weta and be in the film industry. Mm. But it's quite a full on grind and yeah, quite a specific of kind of culture. Mm. And I just found that it didn't suit me and that I was drawn more to the kind of narrative based picture book type work and also working in a range of styles rather than just um sort of figurative work or sort of an aesthetic that's typical of concept art where it's you you're kind of having to do the same style most of the time yeah and it's more idea generation yeah Yeah. or you know everything's quite realistic looking at because you're needing to design it for being sort of filmed in the real world or you know i'm very very grateful that you decided to do pictures (laughs) and i know you've already done several Mm. and uh, when um alan and unwin expressed interest in doing this children's book they showed me about five the work of five different illustrators and phoebe's work just jumped out at me you know it was edgy it was modern it was fresh Mm. and I crossed all my fingers and toes and Hmm. hoped that she would take this project (laughs) on so what did you think of it when you first got Mm. it um I was actually in in New York when I was getting contact with it it was such a glim yeah at the time I was like I want to just casually in New York this publisher um yeah I was on holiday there for the very first time um it was so cool there I was staying with friends and that Mm. came in and I was nervous at first because I already had another book lined up for kind of the window they were talking about Mm. and I was like oh god can I do one back to back because they're so full on and then um they were a bit flexible on it so it kind of looked like it could happen and then at first when I read the text I was like oh wow um just in terms of Mm -hmm. the difficulty of the subject matter you know how sort of different it was from what I was expecting or what I normally get kind of um, shown, you know, for text yep. in terms of subject matter. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, maybe this is too much, like, you I know, to handle this. Might, yeah. You'd have to be able to, you know, do this and you'd have to make sure you don't do this and you'd have to, mm-hmm. you know, not so oversimplify what, and all right. these things like that. And you wouldn't want to do a style that makes it look too cartoony and kind of naff. And then I was like, actually, because I'm thinking about all these things, maybe I am the right person to do it. And then I really liked Helen's writing as well and thought it was just so beautifully done and I went from being unsure to being really possessive of it and I was like this is my project now everyone else like go away away. (laughs) like I need to do this and like I like came to like the challenging yeah aspect of it and just felt like it it could be done poorly without the right consideration that actually I could pull it off so I I 
was quite happy to do it after that. You're, um, I hope you don't mind me saying, you're only 27, and yet <laughs> there is such emotional depth in mm. some of those images, particularly the one I, I'm, well, there are several that really touch me, um, mm. but the one of the boy on the road looking at, across his brother has just been run over mm. and there, there's the bird in the box looking up and they're both startled mm. and lost and in this in their tinges of red and, mm. and exhaust fume. How did you come up with that? Um, gosh, uh, the one, the image of the pigeon came to me first. I originally pictured it without actually showing Rob in it and to me it was kind of like the expression of the bird. Like, yeah, um, I guess I'm a very visual person so I just it's like I'm watching a little movie in my head when I sort of am reading your writing and um for me it sort of needed to be close and needed to be sort of from Rob's you know eye level of view or kind of not be you know distant it needed to have that like tight so yeah yeah almost claustrophobic kind of you know Mm -hmm. aspect to it because all your focus is in that little moment you know all the rest of the world is gone and I didn't want it to be grim, obviously, but I wanted to have a little hint of that, which is why I decided on the brake light for the red, because mm, it sort of gives it so a slightly dramatic. like, yeah. yeah, element like that. And then I knew that the exhaust would be another element that I could kind of weave in, again, like closing in that environment and making it almost slightly mm. dreamlike or sort of isolated. That creative um, atmosphere, you know. Yeah, and then there were a few just, that's kind of all I pictured was that kind of, view and then it was a matter of thinking okay where do I put the camera basically you know am I behind the pigeon looking at Rob or in my Rob's point of view and in the end we went with him looking at the pigeon and you reading his expression which I think was the right way to go and for a reader you can connect with him and then I guess when it came to executing it just a lot of time on the face like his face the pigeon like a lot of time on that spread yeah. to really nail it, it, it gave it a lot of yeah attention because it, it needed uh, to be right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I showed it to Rob, who's now 42, I think I've been saying he's 43, but he's 42, <laughs> and um, he he went through the pages, looked at it mm. carefully and quietly, and said, this is exactly how I remember it. Wow. And it made me wonder, it's so... Give me a chill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so Incredible. accurate. Did yeah. you actually go around Wellington and look for the place where Sam was run over? No, I didn't until more recently, actually. Like, I had a moment where I was like, where was that? And I realised mm. I think I've been driving few, through it a few wow. times. Because um, that, that shot of the boys crossing the road, that's mm. exactly the right perspective really? from the bridge yeah. that you would have seen. I guess I, I spend time before I do each book because... Unless it's based on real events or you have some really specific mm. reference material, you're coming up with the entire world. So I start with a location, so in that case, the roadway, and then I just mm. imagine it from lots of different mm. angles. And again, it's that kind of directory type thinking of where do I put the camera and Because you're dealing with sort of real-world perspective to a degree mm. in this book and that it's, you know, not everything's just flat and stacked. Mm. You know, it's like it's, it's as if someone's actually looking... So then I sort of look at it from different angles and I sketch a bunch of little really quick drawings of, okay, should it be from higher up looking down or should it be from the Mm, side, you know, looking at them and things like that. And, you know, if you're doing something like looking from above, you can play with shadow and lighting in a different way and different views, you know, read in different ways. Like if you've got a really low angle versus a really high angle. So it is like plotting out a a movie. movie. Yeah. I didn't realise it was so like Yeah, definitely. The other thing that... I'm really grateful for is that you have 
embraced the 80s element of it. You know, this mm-hmm. actually happened mm. in 1983. It's a very long time ago. Yeah. And I know with the planning for the movie, they want to set it in the present. Uh, and everyone's oh, really? got mobile phones and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine if that's what they th- yes. think. But mm. to me, this is a really beautiful homage to the authentic story yeah, of the time it actually happened mm. yeah. i looked at stranger things for the clothing oh, so i have folders and folders of reference photos that i used to kind of decide what everything's going to look like and i had a folder clothing that was mainly from stranger things because mm. i love the boys outfits yeah in that I show, so that even on the, on the yeah that's cover. that's where i got a lot of that from <laughs> Yeah, and so for those listeners who might be new to the podcast or don't know, we're, we are talking about Cleo and Rob, which is the children's story version of Cleo, Helen's um, New York Times bestseller, is that how I say it? Yes, um, the story of how she lost her son. So it is very sensitive subject matter. Well, um, it's more about the healing power of animals, and I think yeah. this is what Phoebe's tuned into beautifully Mm. with the children's version of the book because children I think experience grief differently Mm. they're very pragmatic and sometimes they can seem as if they're not experiencing grief at all and Mm. adults can think oh wow great they're over it Mm. they're not it's very deep and ongoing Mm. and that's Mm. why I wanted to write this book Mm. yeah because it's the book I would have loved to have been able to give Rob at yeah. the time. I think like any child would be interested in it as yeah. well. And that, you know, it's something that is one of those weird things in society where we don't really talk about it until it's suddenly necessary too, you know, and it's like maybe there's value in pre- preparing them for yeah. those ideas sooner rather than later and not just doing it by Cause it's gonna happen yeah, sooner brushing or it under the rug until yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that happens. Like, mm, <laughs> I'll just that's explain right. it to you. It's very like um, how sex was when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it was everyone was doing it, but no one would talk about it. Yeah, it and then what shameful. happens? That's right. And if you're someone mm. like I was a child who was very curious, and if someone's going to not talk about something, mm. it's going to elevate it to the top level of my curiosity. Yeah. Which, yeah. in the case of sex, you know, yeah. probably would have worked better if I had information same sooner. Here. Mm, right. Here. And same with death. You know, because mm. I experienced um, the loss of my mum at 21. I was a young adult but still young but I had that same sense and I think you described it too that the whole world suddenly just been ripped it's mm. been tipped upside down and you know all of a sudden you, you just feel unprepared when as you say you're right we all we all ought to be prepared for this mm. because it's the it's the deal of being a human being you're gonna have loss I think I'm it's also, a very western thing so it is yeah, yeah, yeah no and yeah. um, yeah, I also hope it will encourage children to be kind to other children who yeah. are going through any kind of sadness. Mm. Yeah. Because mm. there's loss in their lives when their parents split up or they have to move town yep. and go to another school. Mm-hmm. There's loss, there's loss. Yep. It's great for kids to mm. be reminded to actually mm. reach out. Well, that's not it. Linda <laughs> wants me to ban reaching out. <laughs> oh, we're going to add that to the list. Yeah. I think yeah. also just seeing that bad things happen and then it yeah. can be okay It's again, recoverable, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Resilience. Yeah, yeah we that's need a bit exactly more right. Mm. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it is a Western, a particularly Western mm. thing. We were talking about Japan earlier today because of the link with anime and um, Phoebe's style. But I think the Japanese, for example, are really good at incorporating death into life. Mm. Um, the, the way that it's talked about and accepted is really different. I noticed that. And one thing that I noticed as a young student living there when I did is, of course, the famous cherry blossom sakura. That that time of year is very revered. 
And when I asked my mates in Japan, like, what's so cool about the sakura? Why do mm. they, why does everyone stop and go for picnics and gather together under this fleeting tree? Mm. And I learned this concept called mono no aware, which is awareness of the passing of things. Mm. Mono no aware. Wonderful. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. And to them, the sakura really symbolizes that mono no aware because it's fleeting, it's beautiful, mm. it's only there for a week or so. And to them, it symbolizes the appreciation of things that pass mm. and i think intrinsic in that is an acknowledgement that we pass mm. um, but i think you're right i don't think western culture i think we're a bit tightly gripped onto things yeah. like our own mortality our aging our this idea that we should always be happy you yeah. know oh, everything's wonderful it's like no life doesn't work like that mm. you know and little kids i think yeah it'll be lovely to see i'm really excited i got a copy today at the bookshop for my beautiful niece isla and I'm really excited. She's five, so she's pretty young, mm. but she's pretty she's smart. Mm. She's pretty smart. And I reckon it'll be really fascinating to see what she thinks because, yeah, I can't wait to read it to her, actually. So, Phoebe, how long did this take you? Um, maybe, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think a couple of weeks drafting kind of process. So mm-hmm. that starts with me. I usually go do it in a cafe because if I'm at my desk at work, I'm get too distracted um but if I'm at a cafe I've got things to tune out and I can it's like I'm just here I'm just working on this I have to focus on it and I'll sit and that's usually my first have reading of the story I did but it's gone now. Oh, no. yeah I really liked six barrel soda because it, you had, it was on a first story so you had a view of the street ah. it was always very quiet and they had good music and bottomless filter coffee and oh, they're gone the good combo I know it's tragic but oh. um yeah and I usually sit and Sometimes it takes three hours, but I'll just read the story for the first time. Usually I'll try not to read it before that and thumbnail in a sketchbook. So just really quick sketches of what comes to mind for each bit of text. And then um, also usually chopping up the text and thinking about, okay, what goes where? And I might do a couple sessions of that um, before I get to the point where I'm ready to take it to the computer. And then usually by that point, I've kind of selected all the thumbnails that I think Mm -hmm. are working. And Mm -hmm. often I'll map it out a few different times. Like I'll challenge myself to map it out in a way that doesn't double up on the way I did before just to see if I can find any new ideas or tease anything out but yeah some spreads you know it's really clear right away what you need and then others don't come right away but yeah yeah, but then I've kind of made peace with that because I'm like that's fine just let it sit and don't Mm -hmm. let it stop me from working I'll just Mm -hmm. keep going with like a placeholder and maybe that'll Mm -hmm. come later and Mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't and then you have to just sit there and really nut it out but other times it just kind of arrives and you're like okay there's that tricky spot now we've kind of figured it out um yeah and then I'll draft on the computer everything to scale and send that over to the publisher I think we had an extra step with yours because we kind of did an initial small thumbnails to kind of get the idea of the the general sense Yeah, yeah without doing the full detailed drafts which have a lot more time invested in figuring out Mm. okay what's the angle what's perspective scale all the kind of finicky stuff yeah Yeah, and that's all just black and white and quite sketchy and then um moving on to the finals I think I had like a month and a half to do these which is not actually a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) yeah just because of how it's sandwiched in with other works would have been just over a month and a half I think and then a bit of time for touch-ups um and during that time you're just going in and I often start at 10 in the morning because I hate the morning and but then I'll be there till sometimes 10 at night consistently wow. for wow. weeks and wow. the last period of it I just moved my whole work set up home so that I could just like get up do it from like you know nine in the morning until like late and then 
it was really easy to like take breaks and like stretch and like just get back to it because it's like there's just so much hours just to get them all finished like it's just a very time consuming it's intense process yeah and it's like I want to hand over something that I'm happy with as well you know and it's like books are such lasting things that I don't want to just be like here you go it's whatever I want to be happy with it and Mm. I'm not always like you know a thousand percent like this is my best ever I could do but (laughs) I'm like this is what I could do in the time and yeah um you know, and like with this one, I am really happy with oh, what I'm I so achieved. Yeah, to hear that. Mm. and already I think people who are um, helping others are tuned into this. Like my older daughter Lydia, who's a clinical psychologist, is mm. about to give a seminar to road traffic police uh, um, on dealing with stress, mm. and, wow. and she's asked for several copies, and she's going to weave it into her seminar. So mm. you know. Cool. I hope this book goes on. It's I hope it finds its way to the coroners or something like that. Because mm. like when tragic deaths happen and there are children, mm. it would be wonderful to give people, even down the track, a few weeks later or months later. Yeah. It would be fantastic. Because it's a story of hope, ultimately. Yeah. Mm. That's so cool. And with um, that process you just described, I'm listening mm. to that going, wow, that is a <laughs> lot of hours. Yeah. Can I ask a sort of question again from an outsider of your industry? Like, do you get um, compensated? Like, does the money you get as an illustrator cover all that? <laughs> I can see the look on your face already. Like, no. um, how does that work? If you're spending so many hours... Uh, it varies okay. drastically, client to client, job to job. Right. So I think overall it can bounce out. Mm. But um, also depends on where you're publishing, what the audience is like, how big that is, you know, then print run, then sales. Mm. Um, so obviously if you've got an international publication more prints more sales than right. a and smaller so yeah it's, job. it is yeah. a lot about the revenue that comes in afterwards in terms of royalties ah, um okay but i've gotten better about communicating up front that like what is realistic for me and also mm. becoming more efficient so that i can do them as quickly as possible yeah. to make it more worthwhile but it is hard and i sort of have to treat the books almost like a luxury like a, a you know special project special and that job. i can only yeah. financially fit in so many a year yeah. and i think because they're just, so time-consuming. Yeah, and it's just sort of where the industry's at, where the market's at, and it's like I think there's a lot of people who work on these kind of projects where it's not they're not relying on it for income. You know, yeah. it's a passion project or they've retired already, and um, I think it's less common to have someone my age doing this kind of job okay. quite full-time. I think full it's time. a vast achievement. Yeah, so I really do. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, when you said you were earning a full-time living from yeah. what you do, that is incredible it's but impressive it's also because i i do other work like for um how do you pay apps, the bills websites like, yeah oh, okay. um advertising agencies design agencies mm. and you know again client to client brief to brief some pay yeah. you know significantly well, more yeah. and it just really depends on the work so i think overall well, it's okay and like the new zealand market i think doesn't quite value the work or sort of budget mm. for it as highly as the u.s does so okay. the american market um you know pay significantly more for this type of work but then I really value doing like New Zealand centric work because I'm from New Zealand and you know what does it mean for me to be creating random stuff for random people in America versus things for other New Zealanders so there's kind of a Mm trade-off as well did you Um, find out that Helen was a New Zealander like soon into the process yeah yeah yeah. um and as soon as um the publishers told me you were in your 20s. <laughs> Apart from being very impressed by mm. your work, I thought, how wonderful. If this book takes off, it's such a great opportunity yeah. for this artist yeah. to get a 
a global name. And I, at my, this, is, this stage in my career, I can think of nothing better <laughs> than to give a young, highly uh, creative yeah. person a leg up. And so yeah. let's fingers and toes cross. <laughs> exactly. And we've already had, you know, on Facebook right. inquiries yeah. from people in Germany. Good all over the place mm, yeah. Russia I can see it fine it's why we spoke at our last episode last week that Helen was saying she doesn't feel it's a book she wants to push necessarily she wants people to find it, mm. it to find its place mm. you know like mm-hmm. a cat does sometimes find you <laughs> I, um, I think that's right and I would encourage our audience our listeners to be um, recommending it because I think it, it is needed so let, mm. let's help the book find where it's meant mm. to go and it could mm-hmm. be in practical situations like counselling um, but also just I think you're right. It just needs to destigmatize discussions mm. of resilience, strength, healing, yeah. hurt, loss um, for kids. Because mm. kids are smarter than we think, I reckon. Definitely. <laughs> and how did you, I mean, have you experienced loss in your life, Phoebe, that you, um, you have tuned in so That I could draw on. Because <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at this yeah. stuff, I thought this young woman really knows um, deep emotion. Yeah, I don't um, I guess actually when I was working on this book, yes, because my grandpa was really unwell mm. and I had a friend who had um, stage four cancer, like how one of my best friends. Oh, um, I shouldn't talk Just about it now. Yeah, um, it's all right. No, it's she's all right. Yeah, all right. I cried last week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional. Sorry. Um, yeah, so it was kind of cathartic to work on it oh, sometimes. In fact, the, the page where, she'll find it in yeah. the book, where um, I think it's like you're holding... Rob, yeah, so this one here, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Actually, that was right after, like, that was going on, and then everything in Christchurch happened with the shootings, and that was, like, two days later when I was working on that piece, and that was the first time I actually, like, let myself feel really sad about it, because it was such an overwhelming thing, and everyone felt so affected by it, but then working on that piece was like, oh, I'm getting it all out, and I, like, really enjoyed working on that piece for that reason, um, in a way, because it was, you know, people talk about you know, creative practice as like a way to um, go through things emotionally or express yourself. So I guess in that instance, it was kind of like mm, that for that piece. You. Yeah. So it was like just the timing of it was quite interesting. And so for me, it's kind of been a year of like thinking about, you know, death and passing and grief mm. um, with my grandpa passing as well. And um, yeah, it's, but in a nice way, like in a reflective, peaceful kind of way. And like, um, yeah, so it's been an interesting mm. project in that sense. Mm. And prior to that, I had had some grandparents pass away, but ones who were further away, and I was like less like I didn't see them as much yeah. in my life. And you, you know, it, it still feels quite abstract because mm-hmm. they were never like right there, mm-hmm. you know. And I just I can still kind of imagine them down in their little houses in Dunedin, you know. And it's like that's a nice thought, but the reality reality of it hits a bit less than when it's someone who's. Around, normally your, around yeah and to lose a close friend of your own generation oh, she, didn't, she didn't go she's she's, she's still gone well. she, she but she was very unwell <laughs> yeah mm. but she, she's better yeah oh, that's, which is that's excellent but it was just oh, a lot with my grandpa as well so i was just like oh yeah. <laughs> thinking about everything yeah. um but yeah it made this like i guess this project could have added to that weight at that time mm. in a way but it didn't like it kind of complemented it which sounds strange but no it's beautiful yeah um and listening to the both of you, I think that's why I think what Helen can see in your... I feel emotional too. Yeah, sorry. Like, no, you but, got me. No, it's beautiful <laughs> because you're con- like, this story's connected with you. And we we're just mm. talking about coincidences and timing sometimes. Mm. That we might explore that in our next episode because that's almost a coincidence that the book 
gave you something too. Yeah. Helen's story gave you something as the illustrator. That's actually And Helen's it. writing like just got me as well. Like when I was drafting it in the cafes, I was like, oh, like some little tears. And I just had to like, oh, <laughs> conceal them because I was just, you get so immersed in the story when you're trying to picture it. And then, yeah, like just the process of actually those initial drafts even was like quite, yeah, emotionally, I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the word is, but yeah. I think there's something about transforming pain into mm-hmm. art mm. that's very deeply healing, not only mm. for the artist, but mm-hmm. for the people who see the, what's the depth mm. in, in the creation. Yeah, yeah, this is a special book. I can't believe it. It's just incredible to hear this because it's it's when you're not in that in this world, you just think, oh, it's illustrations of a book. Mm. No, it's not. Is it? <laughs> you really had to go in and find these deep. things. Yeah, and I, I feel like weirdly connected to Helen yeah. <laughs> as well because it's like you get so much into someone else's world, you know. But and then you were over mm. here and I was over there. We we're working on it quite but separately. Then I but did then... come over here in August and you didn't come and see me. And it was last year. No, but that was before. Oh, before we, you yeah, even yeah, got yeah. the thing. That oh, was just uh, before. Okay. Yeah, oh. otherwise I totally would. It would be shady otherwise. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I felt the same way, Phoebe. Yeah. yeah. So She's talked about you a lot. That's it. very true. The minute yeah. we conceived of this podcast, your name was on the list immediately. <laughs> Always. Helen yeah. was straight away like, we've got to get Phoebe, we've got to get Phoebe. Because it's obviously it's a special relationship mm. between the two of you this uh, it's beautiful actually to watch and the fact that you're only meeting in the mm. person today for the first time it's so cool I had a similar thing not to the same extent at all but um when I worked on the first book I worked on which was about Sir Edmund Hillary I did like such a deep dive on like all about his life and everything <laughs> and then I didn't know that about his wife and his child passing and when I got up to that in the oh documentary gosh, I cried because yes, I was just like yes. oh my god and by that point I was so like Edmund Hillary brain that I just felt really connected to, <laughs> yeah. you know, all of that. That and was a shocking time. I yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I hadn't known about that. Um, yeah, but it's sort of like each story you, you, mm. you sort of get stuck in this place and mindset with each one and mm, it's quite yeah. interesting diving in and out of that. So it's but. really beyond just work, isn't it, in that sense. This is, these projects are taking, you've got to really, you've got to give something of yourself, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the book's more so. Yeah, the yeah. commercial work I do is more... Problem solving, just yeah. kind of switch off, and then this probably is somewhere in the middle, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, and with Cleon Rob, I was able to um, work more in an illustrative style that I had sort of determined my own, like made my own decisions about. Whereas the first series of books I've done, mm-hmm. they were just a product of me trying to figure out how to do a book and then kind of expanding on that. So this is the first one where it's like, okay, and here's how. I would like to do it now that I have learned what I am doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to talk. I love that Phoebe is really tough and she Good. defends herself. Great. Because we showed an early version of this to my granddaughters, okay. Annie, Anna and Stella. Yeah. Annie and Stella. And mm-hmm. Stella looked at the last one and she said, I've only got three fingers. <laughs> and she said, I want that fixed. And so I thought, all right. Okay. <laughs> so I dutifully sent this email yeah, off to the request. Stella's. <laughs> Please tell us how you responded, Phoebe. Oh, well, um, okay. So no, people often like to point out to me that I often draw characters that have a thumb and three fingers instead okay. of four. Yep. And it's like, yes, thank you. I, I do know that because <laughs> I, I did draw it and I can count. It's actually... Um, uh, a method of drawing hands that has its origins in uh, Disney, early Disney, okay. and animation, yep. and anything that's kind of stylized away from realism. And yeah. it's because if you're trying to 
often draw four fingers the hand when it's that stylized and kind of softed and rounded it can look quite beefy and start to look unusual and you start paying attention to the hand when you're not supposed to so it softens it yeah, and it's it makes it easy to draw as well. And like the Simpsons only have three fingers, and <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah you can write a book speller. And it's just for me. It's like that's you know something that I learned about, and then that became the way that I yeah. liked drawing hands. Does it become and, a signature for you in a sense that way? Um, I wouldn't call it a signature because it's so common oh, in okay. the industry. It's just more that you, you subscribe to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, it's just really, part of the stylization that yeah, I choose okay. to do. I, I really admire yeah. the way you pushed back on that. That was so good. Well, yeah. I think lots of any any work like this is a bit of push and pull because I think if people, you know, come at you about something and criticize mm-hmm. an idea, it's very especially if you're a woman, easy to just be like, oh, sorry, yes, okay, yes, correct yeah. it how they said. Whereas Mm. Um, often they may not realize that you actually have quite a strong rationale yeah. be- behind mm. why you've done a certain thing. Uh, and if you can explain that and kind of argue your case, it becomes like a little debate. It's just like, I need to yeah. convince you of my case yeah. and here's your case. Well and, done. You know, we'll do it that way. And it means the outcome will be best if it's yeah. been fought for and if there's yeah. passion and reason. And I quite it. enjoy that process of like meeting someone in the middle because I don't like assuming that I always know best, you know, and, and so it's interesting to get the pushback and sort of say, oh, that's interesting, you know, because everyone has such different interpretations of things. So, you know, I'm always trying to consider yeah. what other people's interpretations yeah. will be, but it's interesting to actually hear them and then be mm. like, okay. And I'd like to pull you to a better, it might pull yeah, you to a better place totally, too. Totally, yeah. yeah. So now this is the inevitable question. What's your advice to anyone listening who wants to become a book illustrator? Uh, I always get asked this. Yeah, I, bet you do. <laughs> I, I hate answering it because there's no one I know. path. Mm. Okay. You know, it's it's quite everyone's got their own path there and you know, I'll have had a lucky break in points, you know, and then other times I'll have just done the work, you know, and it is a slog. Um yeah. so I can't I can't give you an exact path but I think if it's if it's all that you care about and want to do you often you know could find yourself in the right place or the right position and it's also just about being nice to work with and not being a dick to people and um <laughs> that's good advice, good advice. That's yeah good advice. <laughs> don't be a dick to yeah, people don't be a dick and <laughs> and just yeah I think a lot of people sort of hide away as well they don't share what they're doing they sort of squirrel away and they're like everything needs to be perfect before I share it with anyone and I think you have to let let go of that and often actually it's the drawings I do that take two minutes that people enjoy more than something I might have spent two months on you know and um yeah I think just being less less precious is important and and more focused on on connection with others as well as the work yeah and then just be prepared to work lots and alienate some friends and family occasionally and then recover those relationships when you're free and then you get busy again and it's just a nice back and forth that everyone gets used to because <laughs> it is kind of patches of intense busyness and then you know some chill time so it's not like a normal nine to five I think it's kind of do the work when it needs doing and then take a break waves and of intensity yeah, yeah yeah which is like you adjust to and um I think it's more making other people around you understand that as well and just mm. being like, I will be free and available mm-hmm. to you, but, you know, not right now and not because it's a Saturday necessarily, but then it's like, I might be free for two whole weeks, you know, after yeah. that, or this I could is, drop something on a Tuesday. for a writer, and I remember yeah. 
sometimes when I've been on the island because it's quite a good place to work and then mm. someone will come and knock on the door and they'll say, um, are you writing or just pretending to? <laughs> and then, oh God, yes, I'm pretending to write. <laughs> you know, because there's always this sort of insecurity underneath mm. it all that, mm. yeah, I'm not a real writer, I'm yeah. just pretending to. <laughs> so it's a funny world. Yeah, but I think yeah. as well just um, being comfortable with the difficult parts of the process is really important as well. So if you're working on a creative project, you should not know what the hell you're doing and be doubting yourself at regular intervals and be really confused and feel like quitting. Like that is inherent to the Mm. process and finishing any project. It's just patches of like, where the hell am I? And should I even be doing this? And if you're not having that, then you're probably doing it wrong. And I think once Mm. you have enough self-awareness to sort of know that that's like inherent to what you're doing when you encounter those yeah. moments or those roadblocks it's easy to kick back and just be like okay I'm just in this patch where I don't know all. exactly where to go next and I'm doubting it all and you just stick with it you know just keep don't like don't run away from you know the project like I mean take a break if you need to but keep chipping away because things do emerge or sort of become obvious again and it's like that thing I talked about earlier where if I get stuck on something I'll just let it let it sit for a bit, you know, and, and leave it and move on and keep working on the rest of it and then come back to it or wait until a solution kind of presents itself, you know, or wait until a time where it's evident that I really need to sit there and brainstorm it out. But just kind of, yeah, not getting too hung up on those mm. those tricky spots, I guess. That's excellent advice. That's <laughs> almost the definition of being a professional compared to being yeah. an amateur because, you know, an amateur has the luxury of saying, oh, yeah, no, I've given up on that. But if you're a professional, you may well have signed a contract. And yeah, exactly. The clock will be ticking. And, yeah. 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 And you still want to do your absolute best to not disappoint your yeah. audience. Yeah. Mm. And that's, I mean, I got a lot of value because my honours project was kind of around this stuff and it actually helped all of my process afterwards. It was like all about the psychology behind creative process and why people get stopped from doing things and... Mm. Um, I got a lot of the information about it or sort of guiding from it um, from IDO and they broke it down into some like primary fears, I think. So it was like fear of taking the first step, like starting a project is really hard. Mm-hmm. That's normal, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not a reason to not do it. And then fear of the unknown. So not mm-hmm. knowing what you're doing is really normal and inherent in your and creative scary. process. Yeah, and scary. <laughs> totally. And then fear of being judged. You might... Um, you know, hold back on a bunch of ideas because you're scared of how other people are going to interpret them, or you might edit yourself because you're scared, or you might not do something because you're like, oh no, these people will think this about me, and that's all just in your own head anyway. Um, and then, fuck, what were the other two? <laughs> Sorry, but that's um, one of Kate, that's been one of your fears, writing your uh, book. Yes, I relate what to my, that. What yeah, 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 hundred percent. And all of those fears, those first three you mentioned I, I had such resistance to even starting mm. in, in the end I started my novel in the middle of the night I woke up at four in the morning got my laptop went brrr, wrote mm. the first page and then went thank god for that it started now yeah exactly because I was so scared to start yeah, it yeah because in case it would be crap I think right. once you have a self-awareness around it it makes it easier because then you're like putting it off but you're like oh I'm putting it off because I don't want to start it because starting it's really hard you know and then it becomes easier yeah, to just like get in really there and do it um, I think the other two were around um, oh no, the other one was around uh, control. So the fear of losing control of the project or where it goes or aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing was kind of around subconscious processing. So how it's okay to step back if you're stuck as well and let, 
your mind just kind of tick over it a little bit because it will do that. Helen has a writer's box full of artifacts that can help you when you are stuck to just dive back into the feelings and memories of what you're doing. Totally. And just having time to have your brain empty is really important. Mm. Like just going for a walk or sitting at a bus stop. Mm. And often ideas just can come to you in those moments, even though you weren't necessarily thinking about it. I went home and had a nap once and then came up with something. Um, I came up with an idea for a, book the one I was talking to you about when I was putting on eyeliner one day it just like wafted down I was like oh, she has hello. very beautiful eyeliner for those who can't see it's very pre- precision winged eyeliner you. but um yeah just kind of allowing for those moments of like your brain's just sort of we've talked a peaceful. Quite a bit we have about we've that. talked a lot about that at the start of the Time podcast allowing space, space mm. for Time creativity and, space, and yeah. I think you said Helen like I've never had a good idea in a crowded room full of crazy things like yeah. it's the times when volume's turned down and your brain's slowed down and you've given yourself time out you definitely need to be relaxed and like when I work at the studio I used to beat myself up if I couldn't get into the work right away but um actually you need to be relaxed so now I kind of let myself settle in properly and then I'll find I'll gradually get more and more into it and Mm -hmm. then I'm just in it for like three hours and I don't even notice because I've let myself gently get in there rather than going oh no I'm here and now I have to work right away and get lots done right away and it's like, just because you're not like filling eight hours exactly with work, mm. you might have a three hour window that's more productive than and each day what you could have done otherwise. presumably different. You said that this totally, morning about yeah. the window that Phoebe created, like that for today, you, you seem to accept that the mood you're in and the day that it was and the energy you have was going to be what came out. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important as well. Mm. And you had to work within the... Yeah, Shape parameters. That's right. That was a literal parameter. And the like two dogs who watched you. <laughs> <laughs> that was so Fine cute. <laughs> yeah, why are you so wise? You're 27. What is going on? You're really wise. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I think so. You figured this out, but that's excellent advice. And I know. And again, it's it's so much stuff we've touched on from the very start. Mm. So you're a wise woman. <laughs> An old soul. Just, just think a lot about things. And illustrating, you have a, way too much time to think about things, to be honest, because you're just there in your own mind, you know, colouring in for maybe a month, essentially. Mm. Is um, that isolating in that sense? Is I mean, mm. as a job? Or do you, yeah, it can it be. balanced by... I think sometimes it's nice and you want to be on your own in that space and mm. just get it done. And then other times you're like, damn, I wish someone was around that I could just like mm. have a chat to. And Play sometimes with. my studio buddies are... Yeah, but um, you want a friend in the cupboard, don't you? Just yeah. open and go, come and play, and then yeah. close it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that would be good. So I would say it varies on that front. Yeah, mm. and and it depends how much you're getting out outside mm. of the job as well. Um, Sometimes when I've been halfway or partway through a book and pe- I'm out of everyone else's loop, I'll go to a two o'clock movie or an mm, yeah. absolute junk movie that I would never normally go yeah. to, mm. but it rests the brain. Yeah, yeah totally. That's and like The Bachelorette. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. And just, yeah, like teeing up lunch breaks with people is good, yeah. you know, to stay yeah. social. And some of the jobs I do are more involved with other people than the book yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I actually... Um, it sounds weird to people. I watch movies and TV shows in the background while I work. Okay. So I don't look at them, but I have them They're on a secondary on. screen. Yeah, so I think I watched. I was watching the OC when I worked on my last <laughs> book. I can't remember what the I was OC. watching for this one. Has in... Yeah, the, okay. yeah, Orange County. And then, um, <laughs> like, I was watching Lost for another book. Uh, I was right. watching The Walking Dead for another book. With audio? Yeah, so it's like, it's just the TV shows running on the side. Yeah. yeah, and occasionally I'll glance at it, but mainly it, 
takes my brain away from thinking too much about what I'm doing and it leaves that part intuitive so that I'm not like, oh, do I need a line here? Mm. Oh, how's this colour? That's I'm like surgeons listening to music while they chop your brain out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably a little bit like that. <laughs> they do. They play music. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. It gives that nervous part of your brain something else to chew on, I think. So I need utter silence when I arrive. Yeah. But well, sometimes you different. do. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, what have, oh yeah, Ken Burns' war documentaries recently. I've watched hours <laughs> I love and hours it, so they're all Burns. infusing into your work. Somehow. Yeah, but it's cool because sometimes you don't need your brain on the work, and then you just watch lots of TED talks, and you can like learn heaps of stuff, and you're like, yeah, two mm. things at once, but don't do it too much. You fry your brain. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, if you can do that with your work, sometimes like having a podcast or something. Yeah. You, know, you don't always need to be full focused with that part of your mind. It, you can just trust your hand mm. to like know what it's doing and. Yeah. I feel like you have a good grip on your brain and mind. I'm very impressed. <laughs> it is. It's been a fascinating it clinic. Really has. <laughs> this has yeah. been excellent advice, particularly that stuff you talked about with the fears. I relate to every single fear you brought up then, but I'm not, I haven't mastered this idea that it's, I, I don't recognize it when it's happening. Mm. So I need mm. to get better. I think that's at what you were saying. Yeah. And you still fall into it, you know, and it's very much your world when you're having mm-hmm. those moments. It's just. Mm. Even if afterwards you can be like, oh, that's what that was. You know, it can take yeah. the edge off. That's excellent advice for, I think, any creatives out there listening to this or people tackling a creative project. That's um, really cool. Wonderful. It really is. valuable. It is. We probably should wrap it up because I'm just aware we've chatted and chatted away. Um, but that was fabulous, Phoebe. It was so mm. lovely to meet <laughs> you and you. to watch you two connecting. <laughs> and, and this morning was gorgeous. So we'll, we took a quick video as well at the at the bookstore. So we'll put that in the Facebook group as well if you haven't already seen it. So I um, guess it's time to check out of the clinic. It is, yes. yes. And I don't think anyone needs to pay this week. No. Because <laughs> everyone's given so much today. <laughs> But you, we we often have homework as well. I think um, last week I got no homework, which is good. But that's because you cried. I did. I cried a lot Phoebe last week. Today, <laughs> no, it's your she have to go next homework. time. Yeah. Oh, no. Exactly. Um, but just a quick report that my word count is up to ten thousand five hundred thirty-two. Good. Um, and I'm still I'm almost ready, Helen, to give you the reworked sections you've already read. Mm. I've had to. I un- want the structure. I yeah, I've to, I've yeah. tried to add depth to the main character. I've good. made the husband more likable. I've put the best friend right in there Good. and I have to unalive my the mother in there. I'm going to make her previously deceased Good. rather than alive. So Good. I've introduced a stepmom. So lots changed. Sounds excellent. Yeah. So we'll get into that perhaps next time. Um, and you guys will be in New Zealand yeah. together. Is that right? Yeah. We've, so, got, yeah. we've got a tour, really. <laughs> we've got this fabulous launch in Auckland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to that as well? Yes. Of yeah, great. Oh, good. Yeah. We've, are you coming to Poppies as well? Is it in, in Howick? No, in Howick in Auckland. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, there for the duration of the And then Auckland we've events. got, um, yes, we're visiting St. Cuthbert's Girls' School. Oh, wonderful. And um, Dorothy Butler's mm. with the Casketeers. And mm. I was so nervous. Be I cool. thought I wanted to get them a gift, but I didn't know what to get them. But... I think I've nailed it. Okay. <laughs> and as your social media um, advisor, Helen, I urge you to please get a photo at every venue mm-hmm. together because it's just <laughs> great. And you pop it on your social and particularly with the Casketeers. I know. <gasps> That's so exciting. Get a sideways one in case we want to use it for your cover image. <laughs> well, sort of coffin Long ways. Yes, coffin. Long I don't think they're coffin. No. <laughs> <laughs> you want them to, I can tell. <laughs> 
dear. So it's going to be an exciting time. Will Will we do a podcast next week? Do you think we'll see? We'll work it out. Oh, you might be away. I might be on the island because our next uh, launch is on Phillip Island. Yeah. Well, tomorrow we've got yep. the Sun Bookshop. Yes, but this might not be out then. Maybe the Youngest yep. Sun Bookshop yep. in Yarraville mm. on Saturday, and then next Thursday night. Ah, yes, the Carl's Uniting Church. Yeah, we could. Some wonderful characters ah, there will be, be launching the Philip yes. Island edition. And then you're off to New Zealand. And then, yeah. Yes, but we'll let you know when our next episode is. We might have to have a little break after that. But, um, yes, we've got lots of exciting ideas all the time, don't we, Helen? <laughs> <laughs> all we need is one coffee, something sweet, and a new idea just pops up. <laughs> But thank you so much for joining us, Phoebe. Yes, it was lovely to you. meet you. you too. Your work thank is you. beautiful. I feel I actually feel really excited to read this to Isla because I always read her a couple of books when she stays at my house. So she'll be thrilled to know that I know the author and the illustrator. <laughs> I can just tell Isla will love that. Um, and it's a signed copy. You can get signed copies at Jeffrey's. These two yes. both signed them today. We'll be signing wherever yeah. we go. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So, yes. Check out Helen's Facebook page for all the events that we've been mentioning if you're oh, able to go. Oh, that one's not signed. Oh, my one is. No oh, one is right. Don't yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we should probably wrap it up. Okay. So the clinic is officially closed. closed. Jonah has left the room. <laughs> so that was good. You got to see a close-up of Jonah's bottom as well. That was a special bonus. <laughs> I'm going to have a chocolate. Yes, I think we all will. All right. Well, we'll okay. see you next time, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye.